business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everyone. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio on the CBS and Play It Network. I'm excited today because we have Donna St. Louis with us, and she is going to be talking with us about leading innovation. She is an actual leading innovation guru, and she loves to turn what most people call best practices on its head. Uh, she just is a, a great thinker. She drives ideas. Uh, she she basically, uh, well, we'll let her tell, tell us more about what she's been <laughs> doing. But she's actually run a, a nice size company, which I understand she sold for quite a lot of money. Uh, and it's all about <laughs> business intelligence consulting, operating in like 25 countries around the world. That's a lot of different places to be at one time. So Donna, thanks for coming on the show. Where, where are you from? What do you You're do? Welcome. Tell us about yourself. So I am down here in the very beautiful and very warm Fort Lauderdale area. I'm actually one of the very few natives of South Florida. So they so should call you. Cool. Your name um, should be Donna Fort Lauderdale, not Donna St. Louis. Because I'm from St. <laughs> so Louis. I own St. Louis. Yeah. So I'm sorry about that. <laughs> oh, come on now. It's not that bad. You know, if and if I were you, I would take the French pronunciation, Donna St. Louis. I like that better. Exactly. You like that? Okay, I'll, I'll try. You know, it's kind of hard to hook up when I'm down from Miami because people look at me like, you're not a son, you're a St. Louis. Give it up. So. <laughs> well, that'll work. So you're from Fort Lauderdale, and tell us a little bit about your business. Yeah. So I'm from Fort Lauderdale. I had a business intelligence called consultancy, and not to totally geek out, but I am one of those uber geeks that learned how to speak. So. I know how to write code. I'm a Six Sigma black belt. I'm a certified project management professional. So I am a true-to-life techie. Um, however, in being a true-to-life techie, I also learned that being on a lot of those enterprise projects, they're running into the same exact problems over and over and over again. And it was evident, especially when companies would come to me and they'd say, hey, yeah, I have this $400,000 project that was supposed to take about six months. So now we're about four years in, and it's $16 million. You think you can help me get that ROI? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so what causes some of those problems? In a word, uh, the leaders. The leaders okay, <laughs> leadership. Good word, good word. So leadership causes yeah, the problem. there you go. That's where it bottlenecks yeah, right there. Know, yeah, it really does, and not because they're doing it on purpose. But, okay, so Shep, do you play golf at all? I do. And I love golf. Okay. And are you good at it? Well, it depends what you call good. I mean, I am I, I mean, what's your handicap? I, I'm a 10.1 USGA handicap. Oh, see, I'm 72. So, um, you're, you're a 72 handicap? That's a big yeah, handicap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you know, uh, what we golf say, uh, you're what we say on the golf course as mm, not good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I suck. I mean, my picture is up on a lot of golf courses and not to let it. They don't. They really frown upon when you throw the ball a lot. But <laughs> I want you to imagine for a moment that, and I hear this from Oregon, from leaders all the time, my innovation cannot go out to market until it's perfect. I hear that all the time. And they're very, very, very afraid of not letting it go out to perfect. When I ask them, okay, what is the – what is the percentage of, of red, quote-unquote, errors that we can have? In other words, what is the percentage of problems that we can have 
before we can take it out. And their answer is normally zero. We can't have any issues at all. It must be perfect. And so a lot of times I'll ask them the same question. Well, do you golf? And they'll go, yeah. And I said, how good are you? I'm about this. And I said, so let's say that you were consistently 10 under par. Every time, you know, like your golf game was amazing. Well, you were I'm always 10, 10 I'm 10 under. over par. You're 10 over. So now imagine if you were consistently 10 under. I would be You're making a different living. Golf card there. Yeah, I would be. I would exactly. be on the tour, and I would be a very wealthy, wealthy uh, athlete right now. And that is the most important thing that you just said, because a perfect golfer is not a golfer who hits par. A perfect golfer is a golfer who can hit 18 holes in one. They can do this 18 times every hole. They're hitting a hole in one. That is a perfect golfer. So does that mean that you should not get your golf cart until you're perfect? Right. I get I get what you're saying. So I have this philosophy right. uh, that I learned from a guy named Dan Sullivan who has a program called the Strategic Coach. Uh, Dan's an interesting guy, and he says 80% is where you want to go. Um, you know, And I recognize exactly. 80% it, it, the concept is you don't need to be perfect. What gets in the way of getting things done is sometimes perfection. And – uh, there are yeah. going to be, and I don't care how perfect you make the system, there is going to be a glitch that comes up, whether it be your fault there, or it's not your fault. Happen. Yep, it's always going to happen. Exactly. And and if you can exactly. get it to a point where, okay, and in my mind, I'll give you an example. I write. I write articles every week. My customer service articles come out in Forbes. They come out on my regular uh, sites. And whenever I write this article, my goal is to get it to 80%. Because at 80%, it means mm-hmm. my concepts are on the paper, my head is there. Now, somebody needs to fix this and make it, you know, edit it so that the punctuation is correct and the grammar is correct. Because if I wanted it to be perfect, it would take me about five right. times longer than it actually did for me to do it. Let somebody else who's good at that exactly. take over. But anyway, so I exactly. look for that 80%. And, then, and, even then, and, even when they, and even when they look at it, it still it doesn't... It doesn't have to be part. And here's the thing. I'm going to use this term, and executives hate when I use this term. Leaders hate when I use this term. But here, it's the most important term they can understand. It has to be good enough to get paid. It has to be good enough. That's what it really has to be. And they hate. Yeah, it has to be good enough. You have to reach progression, not perfection. And the one thing I always remind people is the iPhone 1 could not copy and paste, and yet it's not BlackBerry to its needs. Yep. And you just said something really important. I want you to repeat it. It was progression, okay. not perfection. That is very important yes. for everyone to understand. Not perfection. And, and it you, is more important to progress. Right. And and I believe it's, that it's more important to make progression. It's more important right. to progress. Right. And it's your example is spot on. A, right. Right. There's a such thing as version one, and there's a such thing as version two. There's a such thing as version three. And the other thing that they get that they really get wrong because so so let's say we've gotten them out of okay, we're just going to progress. We're not going to continue to go for perfection. We're going to try and make this, as you say, eighty percent. Then they overscope. In other words, they try to put everything in there. They're considering everything they could possibly have in it because. Because they spend, organizations spend so much time creating something that they don't spend enough, enough time updating it. They create and support, but updating and going to the next version is almost unheard of. And so because of that, a lot of leaders feel like if I don't get it all in in the first version of whatever we're doing, we're never going to get it in. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I, I, I remember reading 
Bill Gates's book, uh, The Road to Invention, or maybe it was The Road to Innovation. I'm not sure, but it was The Road to Something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, somewhere in there, you know, he, he, I remember I was so excited because guess what was in the back? A CD-ROM of the book. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was like, this is the end all, the greatest, this is the best. And take a look <laughs> at it today. You not only don't even have to, you know, include the CD-ROM, you don't even have to include the book for people to get the book. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, somebody gives somebody gives you a CD ROM. You know they stole it from the Smithsonian, and they really <laughs> need to take that back. <laughs> well, anyway, well, you know, and so that's one of the things. Progression is critical, and, and organizations need to recognize that if you put something in place for something to be implemented, make sure there's something in place for it to be improved and supported because you want to. You want to progress. You want to go to the version one and then continue moving forward. Right, and let's look at what Bill Gates and and Steve Jobs and Apple and and any other software company. There are multiple versions, and if you are waiting for perfection to get the first version out, it would never, ever get out. Right, and 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 not only that, when you're looking at version one, here's the one. So so we know that they're struggling with progression. Here's the second thing is, Make sure that version one and then on to version two and then on to version three, make sure that they recognize that the only thing that the whatever they're doing needs to do, whatever the process is, it's only the first and most important thing that it has to do, not all the other things. See, usually when I walk into an organization and they have a whiteboard talking about what their whatever process is going to do, it's usually laying out about 20 or 30 things. And I'm like, so pick one. That's the one thing it has to do because that's all you need to work on. Yeah. No matter what people say, the only thing the iPhone really had to do is be able to make a phone call. <laughs> right, that's it. And then it started doing a lot of other things. And when they when people realized it was more than a communication tool just to talk on the phone, uh, that's when we said, Okay, what else can we add? Let's let's add a feature right. that's gonna make people want to jump in front of a moving bus to save their exactly. iPhone. Now, I remember when I first got my iPhone, uh, I was having trouble, Mm -hmm. and I called up, and they were very, very great at at helping me out. And the guy said, I want you to be so happy with this iPhone that you'd be willing to jump in front of a bus to save it. And I said, I absolutely would be be willing right now to jump in front of the bus, provided the bus was going backwards. (laughs) (laughs) He thought that was funny as well. (laughs) Well, and the thing is, so, and what what he really – got to remember is when the iPhone came out, the one thing that they did not have a true concept of was all of the apps. So apps were allowed, but they were only created by Apple. Right. And now everybody. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that was the other thing that was another critical junction, but they did not try to do that in version one. So Steve Jobs was a a brilliant guy. Uh, You know, his concept was let's invent things or let's give the consumer things that they didn't even know they wanted yet until they get them and then realized how could I have lived without them. We are talking with Donna St. Louis. Wow. We're going to take a real short break. We'll be right back. This is Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away.
Do you know that some businesses will spend up to 50% of their office supply budget on ink and toner alone? Now, regardless of how much you spend, do I have a deal for you? If you buy ink and toner, then our friends at LD Products offer an alternative that can save you up to 70% off expensive brand names. And you know how I am about customer service? They're open seven days a week and offer an unprecedented lifetime customer satisfaction guarantee on all LD brand cartridges. You can return the product for any reason. Now, I talked with Aaron Leon, their CEO, to confirm this, and his exact words were, if you don't like the color of the box, we'll take it back. Now, to top all this off, just for the listeners of Amazing Business Radio, you get free shipping and an additional 10% off ink and toner. Just go to ldproducts.com. That's ldproducts.com and use the promo code SHEP, S-H-E-P, when you check out. This offer is valid through December 31st, 2015, excludes OEM, and the free shipping is just for the contiguous U.S. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. This is Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. We're talking with Donna St. Louis about innovation. And, you know, we said something in the first segment that we, I want to make sure there's clarification on. And that was, we talked about being good enough. Good enough is good enough. And really, good enough is not good enough if all it is is just good enough. Donna said something really important, right? And you said it needs to be good enough to be what? To get paid. To get paid. It has to be good enough to be paid that your customer is willing to pay for it. They see the value in it. Because if they pay for it and they got to come back, it ain't good enough. Right. So that's (laughs) the point I want to make here. It's real clear. Good enough, because I've always said, if somebody says, hey, it's good enough, no, it's not good enough, okay? But if it's good enough to get paid, that means if your customer is willing to pay the money and in return they receive whatever it is that you're selling and it's good enough in their mind not to go back and say this wasn't worth it or I want my money back or I'm unhappy, then you do have a product that's good enough. And that doesn't mean there isn't room for improvement in versions 2, 3, 4, 5, and 75. It just means that as of today, we've got happy customers that were willing to pay good money for what we currently have, even though we know we could be better. So I think the key is we're not telling the customer it's good enough. Internally, we're saying this is good enough for now because I know the customers will be happy even though we know we could be better. If we wait till we get better, if we wait till more, uh, you know, I remember there was at one point we we talked about Bill Gates earlier. Bill Gates, uh, I think, is famous for the line, no one's ever going to need more than 256K worth of memory in their computer. (laughs) Come on, you know. And, and now look at it now. We don't just have, you know, the 250. We don't have lots of K. We have lots of uh, meg. And, and now we got we t- gigs. gigs. And now we got terabytes and, and not just megabytes. Exactly. but ter- ter- And it's it's huge. And, and you know, my gosh, the, the, the phones that we carry in our pocket are, when he, when he made that statement, have 10 times, if not 100 times more power. All right. I need they're to ask They're more powerful you, than the computers that we used to carry. Right, right. You know? and, and I think in some cases, they are just as power of the, uh, powerful as the computers that you can currently buy in a store. You just choose, you know, how much you want to put into your phone or how much you want to put into your computer. All right. I've got to ask you a question. Yes. We're talking okay. about innovation. And I made mm-hmm. a few comments and a few notes about what I really wanted to ask you about. And I want to make sure that everybody understands, because if people here are driving 
listening. They're, they're listening. Uh, I want to make sure they understand what innovation is because after listening to you the first time that we talked, this was just a couple mm-hmm. of months ago when we were talking in, uh, not even a couple of months ago, in Washington, D.C., you were defining mm-hmm. for me what your version of innovation is. And I thought, this is perfect for amazing business radio. So what is innovation in your mind? Innovation is, and you're going to love this, so you, if, you're, if you're driving, stop. Pull over to the side of the road, break this down, because you really need to know this. Okay? All right, you're setting my expectations real high. I am. It, they, they should be epic right now. Are they epic? Because if they're not epic, epic I'm not telling they, 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 okay, At okay, the top. <laughs> epic expectations. So, so here's what a real innovation is. A real innovation is the next experience that your customer didn't know they could have but they can't live without. It's something that your competitors envy, and they're sitting there going, yeah, I wish I would have thought of it. And it's something that your industry buzzes about. When you hit all three of those, you have hit the innovation trifecta. That's nirvana. That's innovation That's nirvana. <laughs> yes, that is utopia. Innovation, innovation nirvana. utopia. <laughs> so, yeah. But that's great. Something but, your customers cannot live without. So it's what about this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this in. You keep using the word customers, and I think yes. customers is a great word because we want our customers who pay our, uh, their good money to what we sell. I want everybody to remember that while, you know, don't be hung up on this word customer. Internally, right. you have customers as well. So maybe so, that internal customer is not paying you money, but they are dependent upon you to come up with innovative ideas to make their job easier, to make what they do better so that they can you know, do an even more effective job with their customer. Can we do it internally so, as well? Right. So, Steph, I'm, so I'm an innovation. Like, I make innovation really simple. I'm going to make it super simple. Everyone is a consumer. They consume, they consume your products, your goods, your services, and your process. Right? Everyone's a consumer. Right. The difference between a consumer and a customer is that a customer is paying for it. Okay. So a consumer <laughs> might be internal then. Is what you're saying. That's right. Absolutely. Good. A consumer consumes processes, goods, services internally. So really what you want to do is when I talk about innovation, especially when I'm talking about companies getting a return on innovation, initially, honestly, I go in and I tell them, let's look at your customer processes first and then go to your consumer processes second. Customers always wear money is exchanging hands. I get it. And for those in the retail industry, uh, when Donna uses the word consumer, we're not just talking about a consumer that it can be, uh, you can, you know, switch in and out the word customer. Consumer right. is someone that consumes at any level, internal any or level. external. And, you know, customers are internal customers or external customers. But if I'm in the accounting department and I come mm-hmm. up with some innovative process that's going to streamline our accounting and mm-hmm. make make the reports simpler. That way our mm-hmm. executives and our leadership can understand the reports easier. And maybe mm-hmm. uh, our, our actual customer on the outside might be getting invoices that are easier to understand. Mm-hmm. That's innovation working both internally yes. inside the company for a consumer and externally outside of the company, also a consumer but the customer that's paying us for goods and services. Exactly. So exactly great. So it's 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 not just technology that innovation is about. No. It could it could be about anything. Yes, it could. Be, so I'll give you a couple examples. Um, I'll give you a really controversial example for right now. Okay. Donald Trump 
might very well be, from a political standpoint, one of the most innovative politicians of right now in this race. Okay, I get and that. I'll so, so by, by the way, one quick, right, one quick, right behind him is Bernie Sanders. Okay, but quick disclaimer. Quick disclaimer. We're not mm-hmm. talking about political point of views. We're talking about tactics no. to be recognized as a an effective nominee for the current presidential race. Right. Okay. And Donald Trump right, is over the top. Right. If we talk about political point of views, I have red words. Right. If we have to talk about political point of view, I have red words, and all you hear is deep on your whole thing. So that would not work. Okay, we won't do that. <laughs> but let's. So what makes Donald Trump yeah. and and Bernie Sanders innovative? Okay, well, well, let's think about those three roles again, right? First thing, giving the customer something that they didn't know they could have but they cannot live without. Are you really listening to any of the other people in any political party that is saying what everyone else is saying? What? Uh, yeah, really. yeah. I mean, they're, they're blending in. <laughs> they're blending in. And right now, we're, if you go and ask the average Joe voter walking down the street and Janet voter walking down the street, they are begging the other people to please say something. They are craving them to be outspoken. So Donald Trump is telling you, look, you could be outspoken and be number one. That's something that the customer didn't know they could have, but now that they can, they can't live without it. They're craving it. So it's interesting. Uh, in the debate, whether you agree with Donald Trump's point of views or not, Something he said mm-hmm. was, and they called him out on this, and I can't remember exactly what the question is, but he said, I'm raising these issues that no one else has really been raising, and guess what? Maybe I'm being exactly. a little loud about them, but today we're talking about them. And now, yeah. yeah, you don't have to agree with how he feels about the issues, but the way he's going about it is rather interesting. He's forcing everybody exactly. to raise their game or at least meet him on some field, uh, whether it's right or wrong. He's forcing, you know, he is being innovative, I guess. So He uh, is. And here, so here's the second point that he's, sure. he's reaching. So the first one is that all of a sudden Joe Voter is going, I'm craving this from every politician and I'm not getting it. So they're craving it. Joe Voter is craving this interaction. The second rule of, of innovation, if we want to call them rule or second guideline, is that your competitors envy it. Now, come on. <laughs> How many of those guys didn't want to be front and center when they did the GOP debate the other night? Right, right. And the and competitors envy it. The, the competitors are, and they're, and they're thinking, what can I do to combat exactly. it? What can and, I do to at least hit that level? And by the way, I think it's exactly. a mistake to try to match what anybody's doing no you have to do your own you have to do it right way and then number three is that the industry is buzzing about it so he's doing all three yeah he's getting the noise isn't he he's making the noise he's getting the noise he's getting the press exactly and bernie sanders by the way really close second and why he's he's a really close second and and not in regards to the polls but in regards to the way that he's being innovative and he's coming out of the box and he's communicating He's actually being very, not similar to Donald Trump, not in the Donald Trump style, but he's also being very innovative in regards to how he communicates. Because all of a sudden, people are showing up to his stuff in droves because, again, they want to hear what he has to say. So this is not a Republican or a Democrat thing. It's the, it's the innovation of communicating to your, to your people. That's why I said innovation isn't technology. It's not. It's those three things. Customer craves it industry your competitors envy it and the industry buzzes about it that's some great information we're talking with donna st louis we're going to take a really short break we're going to be right back so everybody don't go away this is chef hiking on amazing business radio 
Big news! The new Sprint LTE Plus network is faster than Verizon and AT&T based on analysis of a recent study by Nielsen. And to celebrate, we're inviting you to join Sprint for the biggest offer in U.S. wireless history. Switch to Sprint and save 50% on most Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile rates. Yep, you heard that right. No gimmicks, no tricks. You have Verizon 6 gig for $60, $30 with Sprint. And if you have 15 gigs for $100 from AT&T, $50 with Sprint. Even if you have T-Mobile's 10 gigs for $80, we'll give it to you for $40. And we won't force you to watch video in low def. Oh, and one more thing. We'll even pay your switching fees up to $650 per line so you can switch to the Sprint LTE Plus network today. Visit a Sprint store or Sprint.com slash save 50%. Offer coverage not available everywhere for discounted phones. Excludes taxes, surcharges, roaming, and premium content. Subject to new line $36 activation fee. Credit valid for in Plans may not be exact match. See website for eligible plans. Offer ends 1716-7218. Exclusions and restrictions apply. Contract by audio. Reward card requires online registration. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here. We're back on Amazing Business Radio, and we're talking with Donna St. Louis about innovation. And here's the cool thing that we've learned. Everybody thinks innovation is technology. It's coming up with cool gadgets and and technology or, or, or ways to do things that, that use computers and who knows what. But the reality is, no, it's innovation is basically innovation. It's doing something different, standing out, giving your customers something that they may not have expected and now they want it, they crave it, and others are envious about it. And this happens uh, mm-hmm. in, in business with uh, things that people sell, and it could be technology. It happens on the sports field where where athletes come up mm-hmm. with different techniques and ways to uh, deliver a better uh, experience or or uh, a higher level of ability, and it happens, obviously, in the, the political race. And who knows, as we're recording this today and when we finally come out, who knows where Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders are going to be, but with the lessons that we can learn from the way they're campaigning, the innovative ways that they're getting recognize and standing out from the crowd are things that we can't ignore. So what I want to do in this final segment, Donna, is I want to talk about some of the great innovators of our time. I know uh, right now there uh, some people would refer to innovators as disruptors. And one of the biggest disruptors right. today is Uber. Right? Yeah. Well, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. So, so there's innovation and there's disruption, disruptive innovation. So disruptive innovation mm-hmm. actually is like, for example, when Alexander and Alexander Graham Bell came out with a phone, right? Right. He completely changed the face of things. He put, or a better one was when electricity hit the market way back, like a few years ago. <laughs> when electricity hit the market, a couple of things happened. Some businesses went out of business, and other businesses respond because of it. That is a great example of an innovate of a disruptive innovation. A disruptive innovation actually did not exist before, and now it's now it's in place. So electricity didn't exist before, and now it's there. But does Whereas, it really matter it was, if it disrupts or not? It's still innovation. It just happens to be innovation. an innovation that disrupts. Uh, when when exactly when Uber came to be. I mean, granted, they are a yes. disruptor in in the marketplace of transportation. By the way, who they're disrupting isn't the consumer. It isn't no, the customer. The they're disrupting service. other taxi companies and, and limousine companies yes. because all of a sudden somebody came up with an innovative way to uh, effectively uh, compete 
and, and do it differently enough that it got noticed by the customer. And let me tell you, the customer loves it. I mean, the, uh, all the, yep, the, yeah, three, <laughs> the three areas that you talked about, the three strategies are, are what happens mm-hmm. behind innovation. I think Uber's nailed it. I mean, uh, yeah. it, it's, it's perfect. They give the customer something they weren't expecting. Like, who would have ever thought that on my phone, with the click of a button, immediately, because the phone knows where I am, it can tell me or mm-hmm. tell the, the driver where I am. And, and the driver is informing me, hey, I'm three minutes away. I can even watch them on a map. Talk about it. Now, that's cool yeah. technology. But at the end of the day, that, that is. all we're trying to do is get from one place to another. Well, and here's so here's something that's really interesting. I was at Save Summit 2015 in New Orleans, and I'm literally standing outside of the convention center, and I'm watching these people stand there with their phones in their hands. Now there is a convoy of taxis available, and yet they're holding their phone in their hand. And I started like passing by, snooping on people's phones, and people are hailing Ubers. What, and why do you think that that's is. happening? So, because here's here's the secret sauce. There are four things that you really need in order to pick the best innovation. Is it faster, easier, has higher value, and is always better? Now, if a taxi is standing in right in front of you, then the taxi would obviously be faster. Right. But people are waiting for an Uber. The better part came into play here because people have better information in regards to their ride. They feel more in control of going from point A to point B. And I'll venture to say that that, that you mm -hmm. get to rate the driver. Therefore, the driver is going to uh, exactly the driver feels compelled to give you a better experience. Exactly. So what happened is they so therefore there are things that people use. So for example, if you look at Apple, Apple beat out just about everyone in regards to its phone when it first came out because it was easier and it made the customer feel smarter, which fell under better. Uber, what they did was they made their customer feel more informed and they gave them better quality. So they're not faster because the taxi is right in front of you. Obviously, the taxi in front of you is going to be faster, right? Right. They're not easier because holding up your hand and getting a a taxi is, is easier than going to your phone and getting one. However, they do offer what we call a higher value. They're not cheaper, but you feel like the value is higher. You know exactly what you're going to get as a consumer. You see it on your phone before you even get it. And so you have kind of an excitement of, I'm getting this, I'm in control of it, and the experience is better. That's what's causing such a disruption in the taxi area. How about 3D printing? That's a pretty major innovation. That's technology, too. This one but, is, but this is technology. One. Let me tell you why this one is so cool. Because when Chuck Hall started going out and working on the 3D printer, he had but one goal. And his goal was to help architects create their scale models. Because scale models could be very rudimentary or they could be very elaborate. And he wanted to be able to make them exactly as the architect had envisioned them. Well, it's gone from being a 3D printer for architects to being able to do things in concrete, I mean, construction applications. Think about that. In medical applications, think about that. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. Right. You can so 3D cool print a, an guy, organ, which amazes me. They're working right? Exactly. So they're doing that. And they're even in construction, 3D printing um, the facade that you want to put on the side of a building in, in, in concrete. Really? 
it's just amazing the things that they're able to do. And by the way, that takes me to another one that a lot of people probably don't think about because it kind of happened behind the scenes, is construction is very innovative because back in the day, if you wanted to get your house constructed in South Florida, it might take six to nine months because people had to build, you know, they had to construct the brick, brick by brick. Now the construction of the walls or the modules of your house actually happen off-site in a controlled environment so they don't have to worry about weather. And then they bring those modules together and they construct the modules on the site, kind of like building Lego boxes and then taking all the Lego boxes and putting them together. Wow. So, and the reason it takes nine months in Florida is, is the weather's changing rapidly. Weather. And, and you have the a lot of down days. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. So that's, so that's great. So innovation, amazing. Companies uh, can innovate. One of my favorite innovators, and I think they're also a big disruptor, is Amazon mm-hmm. and, and what they're doing oh, in yeah. the world of they went from, well, let's 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 figure out a way. Uh, and by the way, this is the way Jeff Bezos, I think, was thinking, not uh, in general. He says, I want to come over the company that gets books to people in a more effective way, better and easier place for, I don't think he was saying, uh, I mean, he knew right away he's competing against the Barnes and Nobles and any other bookstore in the world, but he had to come up with a way to compete that forced him to be innovative. And, and then he goes from just books to virtually everything in the world. And now they're, you know, it used to be mail where we'd send it in the mail. And then now it's like, Hey, uh, it looks to me like coming down the pike is like an hour away when my, that little drone drops it off on my front porch. Exactly. Exactly. And now aren't they, didn't it just come out the other day? Like there's a number one retailer or there are bigger retailers at Walmart or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're, they're going to be, I think uh, I read somewhere they want to be the first trillion dollar retail. Retails, uh, wow. retail. That's that's huge. And you know what? My guess is, if anybody's going to do it, they're going to probably be able to pull it off. Yeah, um, yeah. Just Bezos is brilliant. And you know, here's another here's another thing. Whether you like it or not, here's another area that people don't think of as innovative because we're inundated with it now. But reality TV, reality TV is actually innovative. Believe it or not. Okay, so it's not because just a waste of time. It's also innovative. No, I no, I actually enjoy some reality TV shows. I really do. I just I'm just kidding, but but no. So how are they innovative? Well, well, think about those three guidelines again, right? I know people who cannot live with Real Housewives of whomever. <laughs> I know people who just they really love their reality TV, dancing with whatever, and all those. So they really love reality TV, and there was not the concept of real life, you know, following someone in real life. Yeah, there was a movie about it, but this concept of putting it on TV just did not exist. Then, of course, their competitors started envying it. They were very envious. That's why there is so much reality TV. There is so much of it. And then, of course, the industry buzzes about it. You can actually turn on the news at night, and when you watch news at night, they will talk about what happened on reality TV. So it hits the three marks. So if you really think about it, it's craved by the customers, of course, right? They watch it. People talk about it. They can't live without their real housewives or whoever and the guy that's up in the woods trying to figure out how to drink water through charcoal, whatever he's doing, right? Competitors want it badly. So competitors really, really want it. And then, of course, the last thing is that the industry buzzes about it. You can actually watch the news at night and hear what happened on reality TV. It changed the way we watch television. It changed what we watched on television. 
I mean, there's so innovation is huge. And we're going to start to wrap up here because I think that mm-hmm. you've made it real clear. At the end of the day, everybody thinks innovation is all about technology, and it's not. It's about the right. way you think and about what you do. Yeah. It could be technology yeah. or it could be just a different idea or a different spin. Uh, obviously, when Jeff Bezos created Amazon, technology allowed him to compete against some of the brick-and-mortar bookstores. Uh, when Reality exactly. TV came about, however, all of the equipment that was available to right any there. of the TV studios was already there. All they did is they were innovative about the format, about the, the, the writing, yeah. about the programming. Nothing about the technology. Is that right? Exactly, because technology is a tool that you can use in innovation, not that you have to use. It's a tool you can use. It might not even be necessary. Right. So in wrapping all this up, Donna, I always ask, what's the one thing? And this could be the one thing you want us to make sure we know as we leave this program today, or maybe it's something you haven't talked about. But what's the one thing, last comment, that you want to share with us? Absolutely. First thing I want you to recognize is that best practices are trends that have already been set by someone else. It is your job as a leader in your organization to set your own trends. You can leverage best practices, but set your own trends. And number two, and I know you said only one, but number two is quite critical. Stop asking your customer what they want next. They are not the expert in your organization. It is your job as a business owner to give them what they need next, to know what they're supposed to get next, and then give it to them. Because if you're waiting until they tell you, you're probably too late. Right. Your competitors asking the same questions. I think it's important to give the customers what they want. And if what they want next, you're capable of doing right. it. But what do they need next? Want and need. Yeah. Two very strong and yeah. different words. Well, we have been talking with Donna St. Louis. She is awesome. She is an expert in innovation, and she has shared some outstanding ideas and great lessons that all of us can take back. And, you know, she used the word leaders. This is what leaders need to know. But I believe when it comes to innovation, just like it comes to customer service, anybody can step up and be a leader. It's the way you think. It's the way you do. And it's the way you present your ideas. Donna, thanks for being on the show. My name's Shep Hyken. You've been listening to Amazing Business Radio. And remember, always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.